When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Uh, good to go, Marcus? Yeah, man. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Marcus Parks. we got two fans in the uh, on the show, not even in the crowd. I, we put them on mic. Hanging out. Yeah, hanging out. Javier and George are with us. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for having, Thank you for having us. us. Absolutely. So you guys are fans of Cave Comedy Radio, and I met them outside here at the bar. I was going to get a whole series of drinks, and you know what I was going to do, Marcus? Pay for them myself. Shit. Never. <laughs> but George was kind enough to buy a bucket of PBRs, and he found his way into my heart. And, uh, and I love you for it. George, you were uh, inspired by Marcus Parks on a recent episode of Sex and Other Human Activities, a great podcast that Marcus does with Jackie Zabrowski. They read your letter, and uh, it gave you great solace. Well, not only did they read my letter, but it was prior to just listening to two people in my age group and my generation speak so candidly and openly. Yeah. I've struggled with depression my whole life, and I kept thinking I don't want to be on medication, but listening to them so openly and talk about it was like, I'm fucked in the head. I need to take <laughs> yeah. care of this shit, you know, before I, you know, before I, you know, I was dating him and before I messed something good up. So I went, got diagnosed, properly diagnosed, got on proper treatment. Boom. Hey, that's Been great, man. that well butrin ever since. And it's in big part thanks to y'all. So. Well, yeah, I'll tell you. a lot, man. Thank you so are going to be totally not depressed when we talk about Donald Trump. <laughs> You're going to love it. Him. Love Donald. Can't get enough of the Trump. Team Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's start with, uh, okay, so Princeton University, we've been discussing a lot about how these universities are going a little bit uh, crazy on the protest front. A lot of the people that are attending universities are treating uh, universities as if they are uh, what space camp is to somebody who aspires to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. Only they aspire to be the next Stokely Carmichael. The only problem is uh, the issues that they're protesting aren't nearly of the importance of the issues of the 70s, uh, where social and civil rights were uh, were, were vital um, to maintaining the great country that we have today. Of course. Okay, so now kids are just protesting random different things, not the drone strikes. Uh, Obama's basically a legal drone war over in the Middle East. They're not protesting, uh, you know, uh, the... the uh, the fact that we live in a uh, in a nation of mass incarceration. They're protesting former presidents at Princeton University, such as Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson, yeah. which is insane to me that people would take the time out of their day 
a collegiate day, <laughs> which is supposed to be spent surrounding a keg, demanding that somebody do a keg stand for 13 at least seconds. What's your record? <laughs> I must admit, there was a, a UW Stout, University of Wisconsin Stout, Menominee, Wisconsin. There was a great party house, and I, I, and I, I, I what was it called? The Fundingo. <laughs> I don't know if it was called the Fundingo, but I'm calling it the Fundingo. I did a keg stand for 38 seconds, Woo! and I crushed it. And you know what? After that 38 seconds, I did one for a minute and a half. My friend Dave Kaler, you can find him on Facebook, will attest. I crushed the keg stand, and everyone, I didn't stop drinking. Everyone said, oh, we're getting too tired holding you up, you big fat bastard. <laughs> I, that, I, I was 380 pounds. <laughs> too fat for a keg stand. That's going to be my next question is how many? How oh many were God. on Team Kissel holding you up there? Oh, eight, ten people. It was it was a it was a trust fall and it failed miserably. I, I, they dropped me at some point. Uh, I I never detached from the hose. I can't get enough of Keystone Light, especially when it's warm and in a frat's basement. Um, that's what you should be doing in college. Yeah, you should be doing keg stands. You should not be removing Woodrow Wilson's name, his plaques, his pictures. From Princeton University, Woodrow Wilson, he said a couple of racist things against blacks. Believe it or not, he was a racist white dude in the early 19th century. Can you believe it? 20th century, I suppose. 1900s. I'm shocked that he would say anything wrong Mm -hmm. about black people when Birth of a Nation was the number one movie. (laughs) I can't believe Woodrow Wilson would say something wrong. But you have to look at a person's actions. The 19th Amendment. The amendment that finally gave women the right to vote, Mm -hmm. which should have happened much, much sooner, signed uh, under Woodrow Wilson. Right. The 17th Amendment, this amendment that got rid of literacy tests, that got rid of uh, poll taxes, was massively important for the Asian immigrants. And at this time, Asian immigrants... What uh, people perceive uh, the negative the negative qualities that people put on the Syrian ref- refugees were all on uh, the Asians at this time. Mm. You know, he got rid of that, all of those poll tests, all those literacy uh, standards with the Seventeenth Amendment. So, if you want to protest Woodrow Wilson, the thing that you should be protesting is not his perceived racism; is the fact that he created the Federal Reserve. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's awful. what you should be protesting. No one. It, but it's boring. There is the Federal mis- Reserve is boring. It's not sexy. It's misplaced. How isn't it sexy? The Federal Reserve. <laughs> we were just in Washington. It's a beautiful building. <laughs> I was getting hard looking at the damn thing. I was like, where, where do I put it? <laughs> I about to drill a hole in it, make it my wife or husband, whatever. <laughs> It doesn't matter. But those are the things that they should be. The Federal Reserve is the reason that we are $19 trillion in debt. They continually print money nonstop. There is, there is, no, uh, there is no benefit of not being in debt. This country is in debt. Every single human being is in debt in this country with very little chance to get out of debt because that is the the system set up by the Federal Reserve. And people are so ignorant that some of them believe the Federal Reserve is actually part of the U.S. government. It's an individual corporate financial business that the U.S. government has somehow, uh, you know, tied itself to in such a way where we are beholden to every single whim that it has. Right. And admittedly, Woodrow Wilson was in the KKK. The KKK was just a fun organization. (laughs) 
More of a boys club. It was club. a meet and greet. <laughs> no, of course. Again, yeah. yes. I mean, but we have to look at what what were the policies that Woodrow Wilson put in place that gave us uh, greater freedom in this country. People are shitheads. Yeah. People are schmucks. But you have to look at people's actions. And you cannot say that Woodrow Wilson... It's so funny because a lot of the people on the right, you know, a lot of these people that I know uh, who write for the National Review, a very conservative... Uh, magazine, they do not like Donald Trump. So, George, you might agree with them on that or disagree with them. Disagree. Disagree. George <laughs> loves it. Gay, Mex- Gay Hispanics love Donald Trump. <laughs> For the record. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tweet that at him. And he's, see, I told you. I, I, gay Hispanics love me. I, I'm going to get the gay Hispanic vote. It's going to be ooch. <laughs> It's insane. You have to look at the man's policies, and there's no reason to be protesting him right now uh, at Princeton when there are so many greater issues facing this country. It is elitism at its height. The idea of erasing Woodrow Wilson from history is reminiscent of ISIS going into Baghdad and tearing down all of the old uh, art installations that were, you know, thousands and thousands of years old that that, uh, reminded us of what past culture was. We can't erase history. No, absolutely not. But that's... It's not uh, like the uh, the erasing uh, or I guess the uh, Federal Reserve protests. You tune those out so fast, and they're also Federal Reserve protests what kind of a, kind of annoying as well. The people that are protesting no. against the Federal Reserve kind of annoying. Hey, oh, hey, hey, what's got to go? The Federal Reserve. I said no. Whatever. <laughs> just say something. Just, just rhyme it with 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 two. It, it's so simple. Yeah, but it doesn't fit on a sign. You know, I will write it's very like, small. Are you going to get laid talking about the Federal Reserve? No. Are no, you going to you know, get laid saying that this is an injustice, something like that you can really get behind and you can easily say it and it can be easily understood, but to protest against the Federal Reserve, you got to have a conversation. you got to have a very boring conversation. Oh, God conversation. forbid protesters have a conversation about their opinions. Exactly. I mean, they don't want to have a conversation. They, they want to yell. These college kids... George, how old are you? Javier, how old are you? 30. 27. Okay. So you guys are fresh out of college. <laughs> and college two, he's two years younger than I am. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> uh, what's happening is a situation where these kids in college, Princeton University, people talk about co-opting black culture. A lot of white people do it, whether, whether it be uh, use of slang, uh, whether it be uh, you know uh, physical appearance, whatever it might be. This is a greater co-opting of black culture than I've ever seen before when white people demand, they are searching for a reason to protest so bad. And this is the, protesting is fun. Yeah. There is one thing that is completely misunderstood about all, uh, all of the college campus activists. They're having a hell of a time. Dude, I love protesting the Iraq war. That but was so much fun. We were so protesting a war. Yeah. Where millions of people were either murdered or forced out of their homes. Yeah, we're protesting a war that we're starting to see. All the things that right. we said were going to happen are now happening. Yes. So what happens is these people are protesting at these universities, and around the protest, they also, almost like what you have with a demon or a vampire, you, they have a salt circle around them, and this is a safe space. Yeah. You know, safe spaces, I feel the same way about safe spaces as I do about gun-free zones, and I am not a massive, if you carry an AK-47 or an AR-15 in a Walmart, just to prove that you can, you're a jackass. Yeah. Kids are shopping for toys. Why not? Why not? Uh, you know, attempt not to terrify them. 
Whatever, even if you're just making your little point, I got it. Also, if you're a hunter, an AR-15 is a bitch weapon. Use a knife. (laughs) (laughs) You know, figure, kill him with your hands. I don't know any hunter that uses an AR-15. I know a lot of dudes who own an AR-15 and love to go out to the pasture and just shoot shit. It's pumpkin killing season. Dude. Killing them pumpkins. Shooting gourds with an AR-15. Ooh! Man, when you see them explode, it's so satisfying. I'm just so happy that gourds isn't a racial slur because that could have that sentence could have been uh, pretty, not there pretty... shooting gourds. Hmm. You're talking about the Irish, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. Safe spaces where these kids are protesting. I feel the same uh, way about gun free zones in that people who want to go shoot up a place, they are going to go to the area where. They don't think there's going to be much uh, aggression towards them. They know the fight isn't going to be fair. People don't shoot up gun ranges, uh, gun ranges too much, unless, of course, you're Chris Kyle and you bring a uh, former Iraqi war vet who's suffering from PTSD to the gun range. Maybe not the best idea. That might have a triggering effect. Well, there have been some mass shootings on military bases. There was the guy down in Fort Hood that yeah. shot a bunch of people in the cafeteria. Hassan. Hassan. There was yeah. uh, that guy at the Navy shipyard right. uh, that shot a bunch of people there my elf weapon i mean these people are mentally very mentally disturbed but for the most part yeah it's churches and colleges you have the situation uh, i i forget what uh what town that was in but at the military recruiting base there was a there was a gun-free zone which is absolutely insane if you go to sign up for the military you better be walking out with a gun so but gun-free zones you walk in you shoot up a whole series of people you know they're not armed uh, safe spaces are the exact same way. If you walk into a safe space and you have a uh, an opinion that might contradict what these people think, they have no ability to uh, defend them uh, to defend themselves because it, at this point in college, we've lost all conversation. It is completely one sided. And if you do come in and try to uh, you know address a different point of view, they just completely shut down and try to silence you. Well, there was actually uh, I think during the uh, what was it the Missouri uh, protest. One of the students actually said, I'm not going to let you. You're trying to turn this into a debate. And I'm not going to debate you. And he was saying right. you're going to you're trying to turn this into a debate as a negative thing. Right. That it, you're not just listening to me yell at you. You're actually trying to have a conversation. And that offended him. That someone mm. might be telling him. Someone might tell him that he's wrong. That was offensive to him. And, and you know, Jesus Christ, that is one of the most fascist things I've ever heard. Debates are wonderful because sometimes they end with a kiss. You know, and that's what's so important. I have had the best dates in my life. The best dates in my life have been with women that we debate, we argue. Well, uh, and then a, we we just were like, well, we better just kiss each other. Here's here's a, a bit of a I'm like dating. A, I'm like a fat libertarian Spider Man. <laughs> Tiny little uh, dating advice out there. Uh, people love passion, so if you have yes. passion, then people will enjoy you. Right. So, Except if, unless it's about the Federal Reserve, then they're not going to listen to you at all. <sighs> <laughs> Then I won't talk about it. <laughs> Going back to debate. Okay, so we have a situation. Let's move on slightly here. That's what that's my take on the college campuses. And again, I actually feel bad. I feel sympathy for people uh, who are currently on college campuses. I think there are some great people there who want to learn, and uh, they're not having they're not being given the opportunity to learn. And it's really setting our country back. And you know, if you are a 
student and you are sitting in a cl- uh, college classroom that you are paying, what do you think, an average class, 2500 bucks at least? Yeah. I right? mean, it's ridiculous how much college. $10,000 a semester in some places. $10,000 a year. And if you're out of state, it tends to be uh, you know double or nearly triple that. If you're sitting in a college class and the professor turns on a Netflix documentary, a documentary that you can see on Netflix. You can go home at that very moment, spark up a bong, and watch the exact same documentary. You're being fleeced. You're being cheated out of your money, and you need to stand up, yell at the professor, call him a hack, demand your money back. It's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, went to a, if I went to a restaurant and I ordered dinner... And they gave me a bag of micro- microwave popcorn, which is the only thing I know how to make. I would, I would just leave, and I would go do the. Ex- I, I know how to make the popcorn. Yeah, I mean, but that's uh, one thing that we're seeing on college campuses too is that these uh, professors have to be safe. Like their jobs are at risk because if no, they're not. Like- their jobs are not at risk, and that's the problem. Tenure is the mm. major problem. After- but it takes a long time to get tenure. What ten years? Ten years? Ten years is a long time. It's not that it's, long. If you can you, piss off a lot of people in ten years. Well, you can piss off a lot of people in ten seconds. <laughs> I'll say it right now. I'm not excited about Star Wars. Whatever. I, I, I'm sorry, George. I take it back. No, I, I am so sorry. He's I, almost out the door. He's a, he no, just no, took no, the he's beer taking away. the beer he's away. taking the beer George, away. George, George, I apologize. Oh, my God. He almost took the beer away. What have I said? I love Star I can't get enough of Star Wars. Jar Jar Binks is my favorite character ever. Uh, take it away. Take no, it no, away. no, 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 no. No, I, I love Jabba. <laughs> great, great guy, great guy. So that is the that's what's happening. I do think you know it's getting a little bit blown out of proportion what's happening on these college campuses. But there is a certain uh, you know level of irony to these young people going in paying to be indoctrinated into an idea of government uh, as if the government can actually do anything in an effective way. This is. Every time you think the government can do something rationally, always remember, pizza is a vegetable. Yeah. According to the government, pizza is a vegetable. Every single time you think the government can do anything that makes sense, always remember, the reason that we are obese in this country is because we live under a government that is so corrupt and so insane that pizza is a vegetable because of tomato sauce. But the thing about tomatoes... It's a fruit. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. And no sense. So always remember that. So these kids are going to college, investing so much money, like we were talking about previously with the Federal Reserve, in constant debt. Mm. Once you graduate college, what are you, 50K, 60K in debt? You go to Princeton, you go to Yale, you may be 100K, 150K, and you get your degree in, you know, um, some, you know, Shakespearean farts. <laughs> you know, just like, what were the farts of Shakespeare? <laughs> I don't want to read his works, but I would like to know his odor. Mm-hmm. And so you're an expert. What do you do? You, you, there is no uh, applicable s- skills. There are, there are no skills that are being given to mo- the majority of these college kids right now. When they, when they get out into the workforce, they're completely lost, completely confused, and uh, in, in debt up to their ears. And I don't like uh, bumper sticker slogans so much, but to some degree you do understand the idea of debt is slavery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, because you know. it keeps you from uh, doing what you actually want to do uh, yeah. or actually need to do. I mean, there are some people that will never own a house. They some can't. Pe- they can't own a house. Some people that will never have children. Right. Uh, and if they do have children, then they won't necessarily be able to afford those children. I'm advocating that you don't go to college. 
This is what I have to. Ha- this is the new position. I think some people should go to college. Some people should go to college if you want to be a neurosurgeon, a doctor, if you want to do something that actually requires a whole bunch of technical training. College, it was never meant to be for everybody, number one. And number two, if you want information, if you have a thirst for knowledge, there is a free university, and it's called Google. Go online. Marcus, how much research do you do on a weekly basis for Last Podcast on the Left, this show, and Roundtable, all online? And would you say that you are lacking any content whatsoever? Well, I actually do the majority of my research in books. Uh, I actually do. Oh, my God. (laughs) Take the beer away. Why does he... Yeah, thank you, George. In what books. Doing? What is this guy? Yeah, books. <laughs> Fucking books, I need man. to listen to Donald you, Trump for a second. You, I can't deal with all you this. Anti- oh, yeah, that's right. I'm anti you don't, you don't read books. You're anti-book <laughs> for some reason that I still can't figure out. I stare at the talkies. <laughs> Well, I do a lot of, I definitely do a lot of research, uh, but one thing that uh, you've really got to learn is how to parse all of that research, how to take a bunch of different sources yeah. and to actually uh, figure out what is true and what is not. Right. And there are some things, you know, without college, I wouldn't be as good at research as I am. You know, I wouldn't be as good as, you know, putting, you know, I wouldn't be as good. If I wouldn't have taken those journalism courses right, right, and right. written for, you know, mm-hmm. the, the school paper, uh, if I wouldn't have had five years of college radio, I wouldn't be where I am today. College was <laughs> beneficial you for me. You would be sitting next to me right now would today be without right five next- years of college radio experience? Would not, I really wouldn't be. Uh, but college was good for me. And I was also able to take out, you know, I was, I got Pell grants, I got scholarships, uh, through things that I did in high school. I worked my ass off. So I came out of college with debt that I've already paid off, but most people don't get that because I mean, that was 2001. That was, you know, 15, 14 years ago when I first got into it, you know, the government since then they've cut Pell grants, they've cut scholarships. Those things aren't available to kids anymore. Uh, you would have been successful. You would have been successful if you never went to college. No. There is, I completely disagree with you, and I know you better than you know you. What I am saying is, <laughs> what I am saying is, it, it's a personal drive. It's an ambition. You grow up, you, you grew up in nothing Texas, I grew up in nothing Wisconsin. Yeah. There is a, there is something ingrained in people who want to become successful, who want to uh, change the world for what they believe to be the better. Some people don't want to change the world for the better, and uh, that person is currently dominating the Republican uh, <laughs> primary. <laughs> you know, whatever. We'll talk about Donald Trump in a second. Mm. Uh, who is, God, he's a fascinating guy. Huh? Jesus. But anyway, but it, it is ingrained. You, you didn't have to go to college to be successful. You happen to go to college and you are successful. But I would not put the, I do not give the institution uh, any credit in your success because uh, you would have done it regardless. And a lot of these kids who are going to college right now, it is a scam. The colleges are ripping them off. They are promising them careers that are going to validate the amount of money that they're spending on these institutions. The money never comes. The job never comes. These kids get uh, – they feel bamboozled. They feel tricked. They, um, they, 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 those, there's 40 million people in this country. People talk about the unemployment rate being like 5.9%, 5.7 right now. Relatively good. No one takes into account the 40 million people that aren't looking for jobs. Yeah, they've you know, given up. They're just giving up, right, And which is another – Pizza is vegetable government moment 
where they don't take into account people who aren't looking for jobs in the unemployment number. Well, that just the number is so much larger than what they, it's a twenty twenty five percent. It just doesn't sound good if right. you say twenty twenty five percent because if you did say that the yeah. unemployment rate was twenty to twenty five percent, then people would really start to see that there's something wrong here. There is something unbelievably wrong. But if it's at 12%, it's like, okay, I can see 12% of people in America being lazy assholes. 12% of the people that I know are lazy assholes. But 20 to 25%, if we, if people actually knew that, if that was pounded, pounded into our fucking brains on a daily basis, I think some real change might it's be It's not effective. that they're lazy assholes. There is a systemic problem where we don't have jobs. This government is not creating jobs. People want to work. But once the government, and I want to tie this to the Syrian re- uh, refugee crisis right now, by the way. Um, once the government uh, gives you handouts, uh, you, you collect a paycheck. Every kid you have, you get an extra you know, couple of uh, you know, dollars in your pocket. There's an incentive to not work. Uh, the and that welfare is a, that queen is thing a, is a myth. That is a government... The, the government intends that. They love that. They love uh, feeding people the bare minimum and forcing people to suck their teat. Because when you're on the teat, you can't go against the mother because you need that milk, regardless of how uh, you know uh, effective, uh, effective it is at, uh, at making you grow. So what happens now, we have the Syrian refugee crisis. we got 10,000 people uh, who want to come into this country from Syria. Uh, and I want to talk about this uh, in, in, in a humanitarian way. I understand completely the conservative argument when it comes to with the uh, Syrian refugees. Let's say that 99% of them are good. That would mean that 100, uh, 100 of them are terrorists. And, uh, you know, if your child is killed by one of them uh, when they're over here, I don't think that you're going to be super thrilled about the humanitarian efforts of the United States. I also think that Barack Obama's foreign policy in Syria and Iraq, the people who are refugees would probably love to stay in their home country. Yeah, but that's because, where they want to be. That's where they want to be. But because... Uh, Obama pulled out, and again, I am not for the invasion of Iraq. That was the dumbest decision this country has made in our lifetime. Uh, you know, certainly uh, not our our generation's Vietnam decision. I it's suppose top three worst decisions that America has ever right. made. It bankrupted a lot of people, and it, it, it made a lot of people very wealthy. But for the most part, it destabilized a region that Saddam Hussein, a Sunni minority did do a fairly good job of keeping, uh, you know, some uh, a lid on violence. Well, the Middle East, it wasn't ready for democracy. Democracy ain't for everyone. Democracy is not for everyone, and you could argue that we're not in a democracy. We're in ol- uh, an oligarchy or a yeah. technocracy. I mean, there's so many. We, we are in a, a bizarre sort of morphed version of democracy. We're in a capitalist society, but capitalism is able to uh, survive in communism. Capitalism as a, as a phenomenon, as an ideal, it, it is... Uh, truly powerful because it doesn't know a political affiliation. It is what it is. Yeah, it, capitalism is like those uh, bacteria that are able to live in volcanoes. Ooh. Capitalism can thrive anywhere. Is that what's happening to me? <laughs> huh, I felt a little sick. I think I, think I have that volcano bacteria. I'm going to go to the doctor. So the destabilization of, uh, of Iraq was caused by W. Bush, but it was uh, increased when Obama pulled out, you know. Yeah. So when Obama pulled out, created the uh, the vacuum that is now the caliphate. We had Saman Arbabi on last week uh, to discuss Al Baghdadi's claim that apparently he's related to Muhammad, and you know this caliphate is something that they want to set up. So this is why all the Syrians are coming over here, and. To alleviate that problem, Obama could have just – we could have a footprint in the Middle East that would then theoretically stabilize the region and allow them to just stay at their homes. Okay. So uh, that being said, that's not happening. So now we have 10,000 people. You know, 
the Germans took an 800,000, mm-hmm. and they're not happy about it. <laughs> the Germans said people aren't, uh, you know, they're not grateful enough, which is so classic. You never take from a German. No. Never take anything from a German. I'll tell you, my father, total German. Yeah. He is still yelling at me about uh, pizza. <laughs> about yeah, how fro- much frozen pizza pizzas. you ate? Oh, my God. I swear, to- <laughs> I had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, he was like, do you know how much money we spent on food? Shut the fuck up! Why'd you birth me? What does he want to get? Want you to send him a check? Yeah, I'll send you. What, what do you want? I'll, I'll send you a ham. What the hell do you want from me? Okay, yeah, I was a big fat kid, but you were an abusive dad. Get over it. Um, so with the 10K happening, my parents, the one thing that they did do, and this is just an idea, and tell me if it's totally stupid. The one thing we have right now, the situation in, in Minnesota, where you have this Somali enclave, right? It's a, a ghetto, for uh, lack of a better term, and I uh, apologize if that's considered offensive. But they go to one area, they don't assimilate, and they uh, are disenfranchised in a lot of ways. They're heavily policed, much more policed uh, than white suburbia. They are uh, you know, under scrutiny. They are uh, you know, marginalized to well, some degree. Poverty breeds crime. Poverty does, but also a uh, a fundamental barrier, a a, a a a sociological, religious, financial, economic barrier is what really creates you know the rage. Do you think it's self imposed or imposed upon them? It is self imposed and imposed upon them. All of us want to be part of the group that we are similar with, right? There's a reason that we all hang out together. There's a reason that we all. At the end of the day, if you looked at a picture of all of our friends, yeah, we got Kevin Barnett <laughs> from Roundtable of Gentlemen. Oh, and Logan, yeah. don't forget about Logan. And Logan, yeah, I mean, but you know. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. It's, it's you know, the same reason why you know people are asking why is it that it happens in a, that huge terrorist attacks happen in Nigeria and we don't pay attention to it while in France everybody is changing their Facebook profiles right. because they look like us. Of course, and we've Mal- been to France. We can relate to France. Al Qaeda just took over the hotel in Mali, which got a lot of press because uh, you know it, it was played into the narrative of what happened in. Uh, in Paris. Yeah, so you, tribalism is ingrained, and it's our monkey brain. It's ingrained within us. It really is. So what happened in Minnesota is uh, a lot of these kids, these Somali kids, were uh, being recruited by ISIS because ISIS had a very compelling message. And they were telling them that if you come uh, over to Syria, you're going to, you know, obviously you, you'll be fighting jihad. You'll be fighting a jihad, and uh, you'll be with God, and you'll be powerful, and you'll have respect, and you'll have women. and I mean, really just... Every single thing that uh, a male wants. It all comes down to purpose. Violence and pussy. <laughs> you know, that's really what the, the ultimate selling point of, uh, of ISIS is that you get to kill a bunch of people and, and bed women. Yeah. Right? So what happens now with the Syrian refugees, we have to be careful not to recreate what happened in Minnesota. So just an idea. My parents did foster care. Mm-hmm. And so we took in a lot of Hmong uh, kids. That, they were in uh, Wisconsin. Because Hmong are Vietnamese refugees. Vietnamese refugees who helped us out in the Vietnam War. The U.S. government were like, you can come to the United States, and they sent them to Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were just like, it's cold as shit here. Yeah, let's take them from the jungle and put them in one of the coldest states in America. Yeah, they didn't love it. <laughs> they did not love it. But we took in a lot of uh, you know Hmong kids who were... Definitely, uh, you know, mar- and you know, and demonized for doing things that aren't even that insane. Like they would have chickens in their backyards, and they would kill them and then eat them for dinner. And this was like considered super bizarre in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, where people were like, "You get chicken from the drive-through," <laughs> you know, like the idea of farming a chicken and keeping it in your backyard was not something that Stevens Point was uh, familiar with, even though it's a farm 
community in a lot of ways. So I don't understand why the uh, why it was such a dramatic, uh, you know, experience or traumatic experience for a lot of the whites there. If we did something where the, every refugee had to have an American home that they went to in a almost a foster care like system, we also used to take in a lot of missionaries and things like that in my home when they would travel through, you know, selling their snake oil and whatnot. But uh, so maybe a situation like that where you can spread them out around the country so you don't have a situation like we have in Minnesota with the Somali population where you don't have a situation where people feel like they're not part of the franchise and really get them to assimilate. Because being a first generation and being the son of an immigrant, immigrants are the most patriotic people on the face of the planet. They truly believe in the American dream. Third gens in are just like, but I don't. I didn't feel like there was enough, you know, croutons in the salad. <laughs> like, they're just upset about petty shit. Yeah. Hot Topic stopped telling, selling their favorite Marilyn Manson shirt. And like, oh, he's not hot anymore. He's not hip. And then they protest. So it is, uh, it's very interesting. George, are you a first gen? I'm Puerto Rican, so it's kind of a blurry line. We got invaded. So By who? Uh, America. Hey, all uh, right. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. The disenfranch- disenfranchisement is such a big part of it. But I think we kind of do make a mistake by sending these people to small-town America. While, mm. yes, that is the dream. While, yes, that's what we think of, like, suburbia and your yard and the picket fence and the dog. Really, they belong in the big cities where if you're Somali or you're, you know, from Syria mm-hmm. or Iraq— People aren't going to look at you twice. You know, you're just blending in the crowd. But here yeah. in New York City, I mean, the the rents are yeah. so horribly high, and there's no. a huge short housing shortage right now. Very true. Hmm. Detroit. Oh. Detroit. Detroit would be big. <laughs> Detroit's got they got a lot of room. Right. Cheap so, housing. Yeah. Would you agree, George, that there is a problem with people coming into the country and? Not assimilating, A, because like we discussed tribalism and people wanting to stick to the, uh, to the people like themselves. And then, B, with a culture that uh, some people who are hesitant to allow them in. In Los Angeles, I see it a lot. And I do think it's a problem in a way, but I don't think it's a problem for the first generation immigrants. I feel like, you know, they come from the country. They, they have their culture. They have their tradition. They're adults. They don't want to learn the language, whatever. They live in their little enclaves. But I think what it really hurts, it's their children who don't mm. get to really be embedded into the day to day. So it limits their interactions. Like I've known people that even though they were born and raised in L.A., they lived in Mexican or Salvadorian neighborhoods their entire life. So they don't know how to talk to white people. Right. And if you don't know how to talk to white people you can't get a job a good job you know you can't pass a college application interview and i think in those regards it really really limits and it's sometimes is your father an immigrant well again my family's puerto rican so we've kind of had a very modeled line between the u.s back and forth it's a half like puerto rican is uh, i mean i think they're definitely a unique among immigrants in america because puerto rico is kind of stuck halfway in between it's like they're a commonwealth but not a state and there's still i mean i don't know like there's would you say Mm. there's still kind of a sense of the other as far as puerto rican immigrants go i feel like i mean puerto ricans are very proud of their culture i lived there till i was 16 years old so you very much have a puerto rican uh sense of self which is not like saying oh i'm a californian or i'm a minnesotan or i'm a new yorker it's definitely much more of like a it's your home country but at the same time we have the privilege of you know, I remember one time somebody asked me, was it hard to get my papers to come to America? And I said, oh, yes, very hard. Had to go on Orbitz.com and buy a plane ticket and come here. And that was it. Uh, you yeah. know, we don't have to go through those hassles. So a lot of the times in the immigrant community, they're like, oh, you didn't need to wait for a green card. Right. Good for you. 
but then you're still treated like an immigrant because you don't necessarily speak English. You don't necessarily understand the entire culture. It's a very weird place. Well, you speak great English better than I do, and I love Rey Mysterio Jr. <laughs> he's a pro wrestler. I don't even know if he's Puerto Rican, but I want I wanted to think about this other guy who's bald, but I can't remember his name now. He's in uh, WCW for a while. Juan Rodriguez. Not Juan. You're just saying. No, Juan. he was a he played for the Rangers. He was a baseball star back in the nineties. Okay, Juan How Rodriguez. The New York Yankees are our people. Oh, that's <laughs> very good. Yeah. Unfortunately, we got Jabba Chamberlain. <laughs> Ex-New York Yankee. He ate himself out of being a pitcher. <laughs> How the hell do you do that, that fat bastard? What a schmuck. Uh, Donald Trump is coming out, obviously, very much against the Syrian refugees. He, his rhetoric is fairly heated. Marcus was saying before this show that uh, you're actually getting slightly concerned with the rhetoric. There was just eight dudes who beat up, uh, again, all of, I, have a, I take a massive lick of salt, like a deer in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, 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 you know, of a of a hunting range mm-hmm. as they try to entice a deer in. Uh, when it comes to uh, the when when it comes to news reports, so apparently eight people beat up a dude who was a Black Lives Matter uh, activist uh, at a Donald Trump rally. Yeah, and Donald Trump egged it on. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. But get him out of there. <laughs> yeah, get him. I out. mean, Donald Trump has to go on with the show. It's a heckler. Get him out of there, but don't kick him when he's down. And that was the big thing. And also in, but that's you, you punch him when he's up and you kick him when he's down. <laughs> That's the whole point of, that's the whole point of feet. Yeah, and there's also I mean, it was in Birmingham as well, which doesn't have the best track record when it comes to white people and black protesters. What's that? Birmingham? Birmingham, Alabama. Lived in Alabama for eight years. How was it, George? Oh, delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right. So we can tell it was hate-filled. Yeah. And then Uh, afterwards, you know, he didn't come out again. Even after it was proven that, you know, he got kicked when he was down, Donald Trump's response was, yeah, maybe you should have gotten roughed up. You know, and he didn't didn't even come out again. didn't even kind of be neutral about it. He went... Towards the side of the people that kicked him when he was already down on the ground, like, and that is well, okay. Donald Trump in him, himself yes. is not. De- Donald Trump isn't uh, worrying me. What worries me is the things that he's saying as a Republican candidate for president are giving validity to lizard brain, re- lizard brain responses that people right. in the South have been waiting to bring out for years now. So the Philadelphia Eagles have a football team that is well-respected. Their fans throw batteries at Santa. <laughs> so we can't judge somebody solely based on their fandom. But I do understand the point, and I do agree with you. His rhetoric is very heated. I mean, you can't judge them on their fandom, but you can judge them when they don't tell their fans to stop throwing batteries. I don't think they did. <laughs> they abso- no, that's my point. They absolutely didn't. And yeah. so you can, for turning a blind eye and for saying like, well, you know, that's just how they are. You know, like maybe maybe they should throw batteries at Santa. There you know, was a, it's, yeah, they there don't was, come out against it. Right. There was a question asked of Donald Trump by a, a reporter. Whatever these people, just people, a person with an iPhone. Well, it was no, it was an interview with NBC News. No, it was not an interview with NBC News. It was after he was done uh, speaking, and uh, and a person just randomly asked him if he would create a database for Muslims. Okay, which is a uh, a loaded question to say the least. And Hillary Clinton has never gotten it. That's for sure, and uh, and nor has Bernie. Um, so Donald Trump just almost at a side was like, absolutely. Because absolutely. he yes ands everything. He said, I would certainly implement that. Absolutely. Absolutely. When asked I would if, certainly if, impl- if he would create a database right. of Muslims, he said, I would certainly implement that. Right. So now you have a situation where the news media, because Donald Trump is not going anywhere, 
The interesting thing about Trump, he's at 32%, 30% randomly right now around the uh, across the country in a Republican primary that now has, what, Lindsey Graham dropped out. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so sad. <laughs> uh, I believe... Uh, uh, Bobby Jindal's gone? Bobby Jindal is gone. Was he even there? Yeah. I mean, he... He made the wrong he he made the wrong wish with Ursula from the Little Mermaid. That <laughs> scrub of a guy. He's such a schmuck. He is. Oh, I hate Bobby Jindal. Yeah. What are you doing? You know, politics and now we'll get back to Trump in a second. Politics are the only thing where people fail and they're like, I think I'm going to ask for a a raise. Mm-hmm. You know, Bobby Jindal was at 30 percent in the polls in Louisiana as governor, and he's like, I think I could be president. Yeah, your state hates you. How can you, the audacity of these? Sh- uh, the, the it, it's because of the super PACs. Yeah, you know when you have the one interesting thing about Citizens United that uh, no one really just the, the one I you could argue almost a positive thing I suppose or not. But the reason that these, that these people are able to stay in the race as long as they are is because of all of these super PACs. Bernie Sanders, by the way, just signed up with the super PAC, and uh, he he erased the line on his website demonizing them. I knew he was going to get there eventually. If kind he was ever going to be, if he was ever going to get serious about this, he had to take money from a super PAC. Oh, he's not even, he's not getting serious. I've seen his tweets. Funny. <laughs> funny guy. <laughs> yeah, just sardonic. That, that's how I'd put him. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, just a, what a lovely... Jewish individual, um, and, and you know, and, and actually, I think Bernie should uh, should stress the religion more. By the way, I think that would actually help him out. The Jewish religion, why not? Faith. I mean, that's it'll get some evangelicals on board. They can't get enough of their savior, and they love his religion. And Jesus was Jewish, so um, so anyway, yeah. Jindal's out. So Donald Trump is at. Uh, you know, thirty percent, roughly, around a field now of, of about ten, eleven people. Uh, you know, we'll we'll say ten and a half. Uh, you know, for Rand Paul, uh, <laughs> and I love Rand. I love Rand. I want Rand Paul to do well so so bad. I'm like yeah. Rand. Let me just like you know, get rid of the perm. Yeah, just get no. Ri- that's his natural hair. Get rid of. The- <laughs> well, then you got to straighten it, bro. <laughs> then you got to straighten it. Beyonce is straightened. He looks you got- so weird with the straight. What's he gonna do? The part like the Romney <laughs> He's part? He's do something. I'm like, <laughs> what happened? Does does the carpet match the the drapes? Are you kidding me? I know what the drapes look like from the carpet. It's all it's puby. He's got puby hair. It's, yeah. He's got to change the hair. Puby hair, bird face. Oh, okay. it's ridiculous. But I love Rand, so we'll give him a half. Um. Donald Trump, his supporters, the people who say that they will not support anybody other than Trump is at 35%. So it's diehard. He's winning the nomination, for better or for worse. Do you think so? Do you totally. Think, do you think they're going to choose him, or do you think they're going to do a switcheroo with Rubio? They don't just do switcheroos. There is this idea that they have the, the RNC, first of all, led by a guy named Reince Priebus. Reince Priebus. Who sounds like a car that runs on, you know, battery. <laughs> sounds like a, it sounds like a car you have to plug in. Like, oh, I got my Reince Priebus. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it is the worst sounding name I've ever heard uh, in in the history of names. I have his parents. I wish I was a doctor, and I went to slap him when he was born. I would have slapped his dad. The Priebuses? The the guy who was like, we'll name him Reince. Well, Jeez, already do, do you Priebus. Want to be, Double down, man. He sounds like a, a a king from Lord of the Rings. He's done good for himself. He's the head of the RNC. Dinklage should kill him. <laughs> Reince Priebus, head of the RNC. It's a clerical job. He's a, he's a secretary. These head of these, all they do is organize. Of course, it's a terrible, terrible job that no power uh, at at all. They get to define debates and how many questions can be asked and whatever nonsense that is. Donald Trump is getting the nomination. His fandom is absolutely insane. So when it comes, but uh, but again, 
when it comes to the rhetoric of Trump, he uh, he does need to find he does need to recognize what his uh, what his rhetoric looks like in action. Mm-hmm. And uh, to some degree, it's extremely hostile. But I also think there is a media that is out to get him that is uh, going to um, categorize every single thought that he has and every single off the cuff comment. They're going to take it out of context and they're going to attempt to make him look like the most bigoted person uh, on the face of the planet. Not the most bigoted person on the face of the planet, but as far as presidential candidates go, he's one of the most bigoted ones we've had in a while. I was on Meghan McCain's uh, radio show recently, and Meghan McCain hates Donald Trump because he called her dad a loser (laughs) for getting getting caught in knob and having his arms broken a bunch. Anybody else that would sink them. They would anybody else that would relegate them to a footnote. Yeah, but not Trump. No, not Trump at all. He survives. He survives all storms. And so we we were discussing what it is. You know, Bernie Sanders recently again signed up with the super PAC. Donald Trump did not do that. He made twenty six million dollars. Donald Trump spent two million dollars on the last cycle. He's raised four million. He's only put a hundred thousand uh, dollars of his own money in. Again, I think that is the main thing that is resonating with people. They don't. He also had, and we discussed this on a uh, on a show previously. And George, I want to hear your uh, true opinion on Donald Trump, and I want to I want to know if your uh, if his rhetoric truly uh, is is frightening. Um, that's what people are resonating to, and of course, he's got to win a Republican primary, and he's not religious, so he has to play on a race. George, as a Puerto Rican uh, American, when you hear Donald Trump discuss eleven million people illegally living in this country. And how he's going to deport them somehow. How do you feel? And uh, if you can speak literally for your entire community. (laughs) (laughs) On behalf of all Hispanics in America. You know, it's scary. But it's scary in the sense that Marcus says it is. He's giving a voice to all these idiots out there. And those are the people that vote in primaries. So there is a good chance that he's going to win the primary because the idiots are the ones that tend to go to the polls on that, you know? Uh, nobody else is as charismatic, right. unfortunately. I mean, Rubio mm-hmm. does not have the charisma. I mean, the guy's always thirsty and sweating. Who yeah. wants to vote for that? <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, <laughs> nobody... I, I I pray that uh, Ben Carson goes away. As yeah, somebody that works in the medical profession, I'm just ashamed every time he opens his mouth. Yeah, He can't I, even put out a map of the United States. How can you be a, a pediatric <laughs> neurosurgeon? I, I hope that everybody that had their child seen by him is going for second and third opinions. Because <laughs> it is just terrifying. But it, it's scary. He is giving voice to all these idiots that do things, and he's not quelching them down. He's not telling them, like, hey, guys, that was too far. Right. Don't kick people. <laughs> just escort yeah. him out of the room. Or like McCain said uh, in the 2008 elections or 2004 like or yeah 2008 when that woman yelled out he's a muslim about barack obama Mm -hmm. he immediately shut her down and what did that do for john mccain exactly it hurt him because that's not the people that go out and vote unfortunately anymore right and it sucks i mean it 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 does suck a lot because if he wins jesus it's gonna suck yeah, I mean, and do you, I mean, it's the really with Trump, it's the four. And the other thing that I don't get with these Republicans is that do you know how much it would cost to implement Donald Trump's plans? 
like billions of dollars to deport, try to deport these people. It's a wall, impossible. you know, databases, all of this shit. Where's that money going to come from? Well, the database already exists. That whole thing is a complete well, and utter fallacy. The private all database, under a exists. database There's something. Di- there's something different about having a private database and a public database. When you're out actually saying, "Listen, we are going to be publicly uh, treating some people of our country different than other people in our country." Uh, if you're publicly saying that, if that is a government program he never said it it was a reporter's question that he answered and then they they, they, there is a uh he needs to get better at recognizing trap questions and it was a trap question again it's not about him saying it or not it's about everybody all of his supporters saying fuck yeah, yeah get a database do it Like, that's because you have the people on the left that are saying, like, look at how bigoted he is, and his supporters on the right saying, fuck yeah, he's telling it like it is. He's not being PC, and that's what's dangerous about him. Yeah. Well, I like the term database because it makes me think of Star Trek The Next Generation, and I love Data. (laughs) I I, I loved that character so much, and I had his doll when I was growing up, and I I would love a whole base of Datas. That would be be a fun thing for everyone to kind of go and hang out with a bunch of robotic semi-human beings watch the uh, episode fistful of datas fistful of datas (laughs) Uh, i I think i googled that on pornhub (laughs) good god (laughs) sounds sounds horrific um yes but to george's point even we all i watched donald trump speak in south carolina and he is charismatic and the most engaged politician he is working harder than any candidate running for president right now and it's resonating with his base and yes again i am not a donald trump supporter just trying to understand the phenomenon and uh his rhetoric does need to be uh he, he does need to be very very careful that he doesn't uh you know uh allow people the the uh to, to give people uh what um what, what's the term where where people just feel like they have the right to do entitlement entitlement yeah yeah to 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 uh to act in a racist way or being uh to be a negative person well it's more validation than anything that right. like what you're thinking that's okay like if these all these other people that are making they're making you feel guilty about it and we've talked about this yeah. on the show before is that that's why i think why trump is resonating with so many people because trump's telling you it's okay whatever you're saying it's okay you don't have to feel bad about right. it and hillary you know she's just not uh not engaging nothing new completely boring a terrible candidate. I mean, the people who want to, people who will will vote for her will do so with, uh, you know, slunched uh, shoulders and uh, maybe a couple of margaritas in their belly. I mean, they're going to, uh, you know, not even be proud of, uh, you know, wearing the I voted sticker. And people uh, who listen to this show know I love stickers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love I voted stickers. It's my favorite sticker of all the stickers. Yeah, it's like they'll have to change it to I guess I voted. I guess I voted for... <laughs> I guess I made a little history by voting for that woman um, who had more (laughs) privilege and whatever. Um, But Donald Trump is captivating, so you would have to give him that. He is. And also, I think our politics have been bogged down under so much pretentious bullshit over the years because you can't say what your people giving you money don't like so you're never you never they never answer the questions they never say what they actually think you're always getting the answer of their donors and you have trump who doesn't give any fucks and he just says whatever he wants and in I hate to admit it is actually refreshing and yeah. entertaining, but as somebody that you would want to be empowered, no, not at all. Right. Like, that's what's that's what's carrying him. No matter what he says, no matter what scandal they throw at him, he's gonna be like, Well, oops, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, and keep going. He's sure. not playing the game. He's at not all. playing he's the not. game. Uh it's a he's the he's a Bullworth yeah. candidate. Uh the great uh 
what's the name of the fella? Uh, Bri- uh, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty, and I love his wife. Um, <laughs> Annette. Annette. <laughs> Annette Beatty. So good. Uh, what was that movie? American. Um, the one where she cries. <laughs> what was the name of that movie, Marcus? You know. The, the movie no, in which American, Annette Benning cries. Yeah, she looks at the, you know the movie. American Beauty? American Beauty, that's Marcus. Re- Thank God for George. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty good. I got to give it to you on that one, man. Dude, that's such an easy, I even knew it. I was just joking no, you, around. No, you didn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All right. Well, we've had a fun conversation. I say we wrap it up. Yeah, let's do it, man. So, uh, yeah, just a little bit of info on the week there, uh, the Syrian refugees. Let us know what you think about all this stuff. We've got a Facebook page, and uh, people are cool. People are nice. Yeah. And then follow Marcus Parks on Twitter and Marcus Parks. I'm at Ben Kissel. And, uh, man, we could talk about a bunch of stuff, but I I think we'll be done. George, thank you so much for joining us. And Javier, your boyfriend, how are you? Talking to the microphone, Javier. I'm doing good. <laughs> thank you for having us here. You have great <laughs> hair. What do it, you think? it is fantastic hair. <laughs> thank you. I thank the lady in, in Los Angeles with sexy hair. Right? <laughs> oh, she's a she's a wonderful hairdresser. And how long have you guys been together for? Two years and a half. Two and a half. And are you guys going to get married? <laughs> <laughs> are we going to get married? Uh-oh. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uncomfortable conversation I mean. tonight. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you. You popped the question the first day, but I said no. I, I, asked him well, to, you, I asked him to marry me on the first day we met. Thirsty. Thirsty. <laughs> you, you don't want to. The first day. My goodness. Well, I hope it happens. And I hope when you do get married, uh, you'll allow me to go and I will give a great speech. And I will. Uh, and I'll talk about how um, wonderful it is to watch you guys have sex. Uh, <laughs> we'll all right. Page on Pornhub? No. <laughs> is that right? You guys are doing it. That's good. Um, All right, everyone. That's the show. We'll talk to you soon. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brands Park American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.